Good evening everybody, Lee here from the Welcome to Horror Podcast. Just before this evening's episode started, I just wanted to give everyone a bit of a warning. We are covering the Roman Polanski directed film The Ninth Gate this evening. Uh, We do go into not too much detail, but we do cover uh, Roman Polanski's crimes and also his tragic childhood. We know obviously we are a light-hearted podcast uh, and therefore this material might not be suitable for all of our listeners. So anyone who doesn't wish to hear this, uh, we have marked the tape. So it begins at 37 minutes and 20 seconds and ends at 48 minutes and 35 seconds. So feel free to jump past that and you will avoid all of the unpleasantness and you can just hear us discussing the movie. Uh, thanks very much and hope you enjoy the episode. Good night. Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. And we have a surprise guest with us this evening, the often mentioned but always busy until this point, Manny. Evening, Manny. Evening. Thank you for having me. Very, very excited to be here. It's great for you to be here. Yes. I'm looking forward to hearing all about this film. (laughs) Manny may have teased us that he may not have the same thoughts about this film as me, but we'll (laughs) we'll get on to that when we reach it. Um, (laughs) Before we get ahead of ourselves, Manny, just very briefly, uh, tell the listeners a bit about yourself and your interest in movies. Sure. So uh, I'm one of those uh ponces who went to university and studied film but actually before that i got uh film studies introduced to my school so i could do it at a level nice Um, nice which was which was really cool um we actually had to do it over zoom which seemed odd thinking that Mm. i was doing that 15 no sorry i'm older than that 17 years ago (laughs) um but uh but that was really cool and uh yeah so i really enjoyed doing it at a level and then went to um university was hoping that it was going to be or I was told actually I was lied to really that it was a practical course um and it was really just English literature but film so um even though it was incredibly interesting or at least some of it was got to study some really cool stuff on J-horror which I really liked um and some cool parts of European cinema that I really enjoyed it wasn't really what I was looking for um but anyway it didn't stop my love of film um, and yeah, horror has always been a thing close to my heart uh, in a non-weird way. Um, I think my earliest film that I was terrified of was the BFG cartoon. Um, <laughs> and I dis- distinctly remember being in my mum's front room and the-, the living room door was shut and it was on the TV and I was too young to know how to turn it off. But I was also too young to open the door, couldn't do it. So I was just stuck in a room. <laughs> with childs eating giants um <laughs> not knowing how to get out and somehow that made me like horror so yeah did um uh, i've actually i remember writing and directing a horror when i was about 17 it was appalling mm. so i don't really want to talk about it but um i've always can, can we, always can we cover it, it on the show that would be great 
I, I would have to find it somewhere, but I think it's about <laughs> two minutes long and not good. So <laughs> we've, we've, we've covered less. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're still talking about Ant Farm Dickhole after about a year. So uh... <laughs> I only mentioned um... someone in the week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so uh, love horror films. Uh, met Lee through work. Uh, got to know about his love of horror films and this podcast. Um, listened to it. Listened to a few times of shout outs, which has always been nice. I think most of them were not like they, they were negatively done. But I mean, it's because I had a negative opinion, so it makes sense. Um, but uh, yeah, happy to be here and yeah, excited to to chat about the film. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um. Yeah, I did wonder about this film when I suggested it. I was like, oh, I really like it. I know it's got its flaws, but there's something very romantic about it. But we'll come to that in due course. So before we get into that, we will do our what we've been watching. So we will start, as always, with Chris. No, you might sound cheating, but I'm going to prove I'm not, right? Oh, so I've watched, uh, I've watched the rest of Arcane because the first oh, yeah. three episodes were released and I was that's it. You've... you've got me started on this this is this is way better than i was expecting it might be then they've released the uh the final six i think we maybe missed a few anyway so when we came back to it all of the season one was on there and it just got better and better for me i was just so impressed with what they've done with this um, i'm just going to do a brief recap of what it's about so it's based on league of legends the computer game and it is set in the utopian Piltover and the oppressed underground of Zorn. The story follows the origins of two iconic champions and the power that will tear them apart. And so essentially the main story is two sisters and what happens to them. But what they did so well in this is how the, the experiences of each sister growing up has affected them. And one of them particularly essentially becomes uh, paranoid schizophrenic and the way they show this with the animation and the style is just so powerful um, it's one of the best portrayals of somebody turning from who is a sweet girl living in a, a difficult situation um, you know essentially street urchins quite a violent city um, and yeah just wanting to do good and ending up becoming complete psycho um, and just, yeah, her thoughts and what she remembers. And then as, as you go down this path, um, you interpret every upcoming or, or every new situation with that filter. So somebody trying to be good to you, you still interpret as being bad and, and being evil towards you. So you just constantly send you in, down this darker path. And yeah, it's just so well done. Um, it, like, it looks fantastic. And yeah, for me, the story is just so much deeper than I was expecting. Um, and then the other thing I was really concerned about is how are they going to uh, incorporate the ultimate abilities of these characters, which are just over the top in the game, as you can imagine. How can they possibly bring this into what is a fantastic story? And again, uh, they, I, was, I was thinking, how are they going to do this sort of coming towards the end? And they just did it in such a good way. It's still over the top massively, but it, it's done with a cliffhanger, and it seems to fit. So yeah, just like hats off to the, the writers and the directors. Now I don't, I did briefly look them up. I don't recognize them. They haven't done a lot um, as far as I can tell. Did notice though, some of the actors 
Um, they've got Hayley Steinfeld is one of the voices. I saw her in Bumblebee and I think a few other things. They've also got Kevin Alejandro, Jason Spisak, Harry Lloyd, who I did recognise from Game of Thrones, mm. um, Daenerys' brother. Um, I don't recognise any of the others. But, yeah, just, like, it really blew me away. So I highly recommend it, potentially to anyone, certainly if you like computer games, um, and if you love adult animation. Yeah, really fantastic. And you were a fan of the... You played the game and were a fan of the game as well, so... Yeah, yeah. Fans shouldn't worry. Absolutely, yeah. They, yeah. they seem to have met, to got this balance perfectly. Um, and, and yeah, and Shelley really enjoyed it as well. Um, so people who don't have never heard of the game should enjoy it. Um, if you like your serious animation, um, yeah, just a, a lot to offer. So it'd be great to see what they do. I don't know when season two is planned for, if it's been finished writing. Um, but yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to that. Cool. Excellent. That sounds good. I'm off to check that out myself. Uh, Adam, what have you been checking out since our last meeting? Um, I had a weird um, moment of, uh, I sort of, for some reason over two nights, double-billed Scottish horror, uh, both from probably sort of mid, sort of about 2010 sort of time, sort of 2010, 2013. and um, yeah, so I watched, uh, well, actually, I'll, the, the one I watched second, I'll tell you first, I watched a film called Outcast, which has, uh, and basically that's set on a uh, Scottish council estate, but it, it's kind of a sort of, uh, well, basically there's a, a mother and son hiding out and they've clearly got like magical powers and they're using them and sort of there's two people looking for them one of which is played by James Nesbitt and they're using sorcery and arcane sort of uh, ritual magic uh, to try and locate them and it has that sort of feel of say something like I don't know a bit sort of Neil Gaiman Mm. of you know where it's like it's matter of fact to these people so they don't explain everything to an outsider or anything yeah. else like that it's just like they know what they're doing and so I mean, like they, they use magic but it's just normal yeah. mm. it's to, the, to them it's every day they uh, yeah. they show you using magic the same way they would show you someone setting up a trap for someone yeah do you know what i mean it's like in the in the sort of sense of you know what they're doing mm. um and um but yeah that's um and uh kate dickie's in that and she is fucking great the mum from the witch yeah. Um, uh, who is in loads and loads of stuff and is now mm. currently one of my contenders for playing the next Doctor. Okay. Um, but, um, but yes, uh, but I think that's only because I feel she would be Peter Capaldi in it's that same sort of stern Scottishness from someone. Um, but um, yeah, so and that, that was uh, pretty good, pretty atmospheric. Um, the monster effects not brilliant but overall it was one of those things where it was like it felt it almost felt like you'd come in towards the end of a series mm-hmm. like sort of like you'd watch the last two episodes of a four-part mini series or something like that it had that mm-hmm. feel that yeah but um but 
altogether pretty uh, pretty enjoyable, enjoyable, and a lot of sort of famous faces in like people you'd recognise from like James Cosmo's in there from Game of Thrones and stuff like that. Uh, one of the actors in it I hadn't seen in anything before, apart from the film that I'd watched the night before. So I accidentally double billed it with this actress for some reason. Um, but the film I watched the night before was Let Us Pray, and that is similar sort of thing. Basically, it's set in a police station in uh, like sort of Scotland, like one of the islands. So it's quite a sort of small, deserted little place. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's this uh, policewoman's first night at the at this station. Um, and basically all shit goes down. Uh, one of the things is that they bring in uh, Liam Cunningham, again, mm. another Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> uh, popping up tonight. Yeah, yep, Shadabosh and his wooden fingers. So <laughs> also, why has no one thought, can he play... Sean Connery in something, yeah, <laughs> you know. But um, but I digress. And um, but yeah, and that's got um, uh, Pollyanna McIntosh is the main uh, actress in that. And basically, yes, yeah, so Davos turns up. He's probably the devil, or he's possibly death. And it's sort of the best way. Even though I've not seen it, it feels like it might be a bit like the prophecy of okay. like some badass turns up in a long coat and actually there sort of the devil or whatever and um but yeah so he goes he ends up in the police station and basically exposes everyone's there's sort of guilt of a crime or something awful that they've done but it's the best way i could describe it because i think i preferred let us pray more than i did outcast mm-hmm. um but i enjoyed it because it has that luther effect you know where it's like this has gone fucking ludicrous now, but I'm still in, okay? Yeah. But seriously, that is it's sort of like, it's not just things like guilt, like, you know, oh, someone, uh, like, killed someone when, like, they, by accident or whatever like that. A couple of the guilty people, it's like, it's full-blown serial murder That's- and stuff like that. And you're like, and you're like wow, okay. But, um, but, yeah, just for its sheer sort of, fucking bizarreness and it kind of had that felt like assault on precinct 13 even though it or even more like the thing or something like that where it's like this isolated police station and they all start getting at each other because of what's going to be exposed by this guy who apparently knows everyone's dark secrets nice. um but yeah i mean both of them uh both of them definitely um definitely worth a look they're not necessarily sort of repeat viewers or anything else like that and like i say for sheer sort of like just yeah i want to be entertained for the next hour and a half definitely go with um let us pray uh it's oh and it's pray as in predation like p-r-e-y not a-y sorry Mm. oh excellent i might have to put that on my own list actually Oh, I would I would definitely say I think you'd enjoy both, definitely, sir. Excellent. Cool. Right. Manny, uh, have you seen anything recently that you'd like to recommend or tell people to steer well clear of? Uh, yeah, a couple. Um, so not massively that, that recently, but over the last few weeks. Um, so I went to see, I think I told you this, I went to see the last night in Soho, uh, uh-huh. last night in Soho, sorry, but the premiere of it at the BFI, which was really cool. Wow. Um, 
Mm. So, uh, oh no, I mean, like you just paid for tickets. It's like, but uh, it was one of the gala nights. So, uh, what's his name was there? Um, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright, thank you. Um, was Excellent. there and was doing questions and stuff. So that was cool. Uh, but I loved that. Um, I didn't find it scary. And I know that it's meant to be, uh, like it's his turn at horror or, or real horror as opposed to comedy horror. Mm. But, um, but then saying that, I do have a pretty high threshold. So I feel like. I try and judge it by whether my uh, fiance would find it scary and she yeah, definitely would have. <laughs> so therefore it is scary, but I don't think it would be to any of us. Um, yeah. But it was brilliant um, and mesmerizing and the performances were great. Love the music and it looked fantastic. So that was awesome. Mm. Yeah. Um, I did finally watch the Wolf of Snow Hollow um, Ooh, yeah. on a flight recently. Um, and that was brilliant. Um, really loved it. Uh, I think it was the first time I've ever used the, the word irreverent correctly. Um, <laughs> but it was a very irreverent film. Um, but yeah, I thought that was brilliant. I really, really enjoyed it. Really funny. Um, really like not twisty turny, but um, it, it, it's just, just re- it was really well written, really well acted. Um, I like the mm. actors in it and, and that was good. Um, and then recently, although I've not finished it, but I've seen it a million times, um, watching Sleepy Hollow, which oh, I'll cool. um, come and uh, and I've actually got some references or, or it's not references, sorry. Um, but I, I will be talking about that later when I talk about the film that we watched, because mm. I think that there is some um, uh, similarities, but one's positive mm. and one's not. So we'll, we'll get to that, though. Um, cool. But uh, the, the only film that I've watched that I would not recommend, and it's only it's probably one of the only one of less than five films that I've started watching and couldn't finish. Um, but it seems to be everything that I would want in a film is uh, Prisoners of Ghostland uh, oh, with Nick oh, yes. Cage. I got mm. about 20 minutes in and blew it right out. <laughs> oh, thank you. So it wasn't just me. Yeah. Like, uh, I, it's like Nick Cage blowing off testicles, westerns, samurais, yeah. ghosts, whatever, all in a film. Like, that sounds incredible. No, it's just really what could fun. go wrong, but yeah. somehow, um, yeah, like I'd watch him in anything, but I, I couldn't watch him in that, so that's the only one I would not recommend. Uh, even as like a, a goof, I would not recommend it because it was, it was actually quite painful to watch. Yeah, I, I, I was gonna say, I think there's a, a distinct feeling, you know, the difference between genuinely like cracked comedians and people who are trying to do surreal yeah yeah it's there is a certain thing with a certain breed of film at the moment where it's you feel they've got that it's that same effect where it's like i wouldn't be wacky if we got nicholas cage to fight samurais in a vampire western in dorset with <laughs> where he's dressed as a sheep at the start of it and just because they know Right, well, that's ticked all the sort of we're crazy boxes, yeah. and uh, <laughs> does not necessarily make a good film. Yeah, and and Whereas actually, if just you're one... really excited about Samurais <laughs> and Nicolas Cage, you'd probably make a fucking belter. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was going to say actually one one other comparison. I did see this a few weeks ago, and, and this was actually the film I thought we were doing tonight, um, but. Um, I think there was a, a bless Lee. I think he forgot. <laughs> so I was, uh, yeah. I, I was, so what happened was I put it in my phone and then my phone died. So I had to get a new phone. And for some reason it's moved half of my calendar stuff over and not the rest. So 
anybody who I've said I'll do stuff with who doesn't hear from me, please let me know because my calendar's just shit the bed. So it, it's not that I'm ignoring you. I just don't know what's supposed to be going on. Is that the new yes. My Dog Ate My Homework? I got on your phone. <laughs> so it was, um, it was malignant that I'd, because uh, originally, I think you guys, I don't know if you actually watched it or not, but we um, originally we were supposed to be doing Martyrs. Then Lee uh, said he couldn't watch it because it was about torture. Mm. I'd already uh, rented it at this point and I'd forgotten how awful it is, as in amazing, but awful. So I did rewatch it and then immediately regretted it. And uh, then was trying to find another film to watch and I sent saw Malignant um, and mm. loved it, but caveated by its mental. And just as you were saying there, Adam, about if someone was like actually genuinely wanted to make the film, that's what uh, Malignant is, what Prisoners of Ghostland would be if someone seemed actually serious about it. Because right. in terms of throwing lots of ideas about, Malignant has all of the ideas, um, and but they just went full hog, so it made it good. Yeah. Nice. Um, so mm. yeah, uh, if if um, if you haven't seen it, definitely see Malignant. It was brilliant, but shit, but brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> see, now I've definitely got to watch it to find out what that's all about. Yeah. I don't want to say too much more because I don't want to ruin it, but it, it has one of the best sequences that, um, later on in the film that was just mind-blowing. It was brilliant. Mm. Excellent. I'll give that a go. Uh, so mine, uh, I'll try and keep it quick. Uh, so I watched The Fog remake after we watched The Fog recently. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, my notes say The Fog remake equals dog shit. So there you go. That's pretty much all I <laughs> but, but you got through the whole film. I did, but... Thank you. Thank you for confirming a prejudice. <laughs> I've always assumed it was. I've never seen it, but I assumed it, and thank you. What it does... It, sorry, this is probably a little bit late in the show now, but spoilers and swearing. So let's get that out of the way. Because <laughs> um, they're fucking coming with this film. We, um, what it does is it takes... So what I love about The Fog is how little you see of what's in The Fog. Like, although mm. the iconic shots you see are few and far between, they look incredible and they're really well laid out. This kind of does that 90s thing of let's just throw loads of gore at it unnecessarily and make half of the film about the characters in the fog where you follow them back in the day and you see what they're doing now when they have to go to the graveyard. And, oh, and it's just so fucking tedious. Um, yeah, and it just, it took that idea that, you know, you just read a few paragraphs and you knew who they were and it was enough to make a character of them. Yeah. Mm. And just like showed you them shoe shopping and what were their favourite meals were. And like, it's just so, oh God, it's terrible. And the soundtrack was awful as well. Um, so, yeah. So I did that and hated myself for it. But, you know, I, I've seen it now, so it's fine. Um uh, then also the same as Manny, uh, this week I finally caught up with Last Night in Soho mm -hmm. and I, I felt the same. I was worried about seeing it. I'm going to be honest. Um, it's set in 1960s London, possibly my work, my least favourite decade. So I was like, this is going to be not good. And he said, this is my love letter to Giallo, which I hate. So I was like, this is going to be all kinds. But it's Edgar Wright. So I was like, well, how's it going to play? Uh, yeah, and I absolutely loved it. It was fantastic. Um, Diana Riggs' last film, obviously, mm. and she 
is just exceptional throughout. That's, I thought that's she, meaningful for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's like I didn't know she did it. Wow. Yeah, mm. nor did I until we started. And I was like, I'm sure that's Diana Rigg. And I had to get the phone out and check. And I was like, oh, yeah, it is. She wasn't, she's not dressed up like in uh, Theatre of Blood, is she? <laughs> it's just, I'm sure that's Diana Rigg. You know, she's just got the big perm and the <laughs> sideburns. Even in them sunglasses, I'd recognise her. It's definitely her. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it, absolutely fantastic film. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I think I did mention to you, though, Adam, that it, it, I did end up watching it as a double bill with Kevin Turvey, which wasn't what I was planning <laughs> to do. But they did keep playing uh, downtown in it. And I had to say to Jennifer at the end, oh, I love the use of that song in the film, but that song is forever ruined by Kevin Turvey. And Jennifer said, who's Kevin Turvey? So I was like, right, that's it. Upstairs, we're going to watch The Man Behind the Green Door. Yeah, yeah I've now got... I've now got literal Rick Mail visions of you going, no, you sit there. You sit there. And we're going to watch Kevin Turner. That was exactly what it was like. Um, yeah. And we got to the end. She just went, well, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, I guess. It, and she went, and this was shown on TV. Are you sure this was? I was like, yeah, yeah, straight up. She's like, oh, that's just wow. She said, it looks like a, a kid's like college TV project. I was like, well. Yeah, it kind of was. But this was back when comedy was a lot more yeah, but also that's free spot on for what Kevin Turvey is. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the only other thing I saw was because of the ninth gate, I don't know why these two always trigger one another in my mind. Uh, the ghost story for Christmas, um, the treasure of Abbott Thomas. Yes. Oh, I, I can see the, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what. I think at some point I made the connection. And now if I watch one, the other is immediately triggered. So The Treasure of Abbott, Abbott Thomas, anyone who doesn't know M.R. James, is the story of two guys. Uh, one's a college professor and the other one is one of his students and they're good friends. And one of them is allowed into a cathedral to do some looking into the history of the monks who used to live there. And one of them was uh, burnt at the stake for witchcraft. And apparently he claimed in his diary that he had uh, turned lead into gold and had hidden 300 pieces somewhere. Uh, and he's left clues around the cathedral. So they're running around the cathedral trying to find these clues to find this gold. Uh, and unsurprisingly for M.R. James, when they find the gold, it all goes really tits up really fucking fast. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's one of my favourite gay stories for Christmas. So if you get a chance, definitely check that out. Um, I just wanted to flick back to Edgar Wright briefly because I just looked him up on IMDb and I see that The Running Man is announced. And I know we were considering what? covering the original running, The Running Man at I some point. I don't know. Is it, is it actually a remake of The Running Man? Well, I assume so, because when I clicked on it, it says uh, director Edgar Wright and writer's Stephen King novel. And oh. it says the futuristic United States of 2025 when the world has become a dystopia. So oh. that may be out by the time we cover The Running Man. Who knows? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, not only that, but also The Running Man. There's an example of, no, the person who made this is genuinely mental. <laughs> this this is um yeah <laughs> it's it's Noel Fielding not Russell Howard 
<laughs> you know, that's the... <laughs> it's, um, yeah. And not only that, but also, it's fucking weird because it feels like that's a... It's a bit late. Because I literally showed Claire the running man mm. just as it was obvious that Trump was not going to win the last election. <laughs> so I was like, I've got to show you this while this is actually the world. Yeah. I think but, that's um, a fair, I think that's a fair analysis. The thing that makes me laugh is I, in my mind, I just went, oh, they're remaking it again. For some reason, I was convinced they'd already <laughs> remade it because they've remade all the rest of his films. How have they not done this one yet? But yeah. But are they going to do that thing again that has annoyed me? Are they just going to mention... They're not going to say Stephen King. Yeah. Because that fucked me off when it was from the writer of it. Uh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> from, from Stephen fucking King, mate. If you don't know who that is, it's the fuck King. off. Yeah. <laughs> so this would be just from, from, the, from the writer of Sometimes They Come Back. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be interesting. We should uh, we'd keep an eye out for that then. That could be excellent. Mm. Um, and again, like, everything he touches just turns to gold, in my opinion. So I can't see him totally ballsing it up. But everyone has to fall at some point. So we'll say, no pressure, Edgar. But uh... <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how he works uh, with, um, with a pro- uh, project that, it's not his, or uh, because the same when you look mm. at what happened with Ant Man, um, yeah. he left because he wasn't getting his way. So mm. it'll be interesting well, to see what it's obviously a studio picture. Um, yeah. Wasn't they the same with Tintin? It. Wasn't it the same with Tintin as well? Wasn't he originally going to be directing that and then? I did. Or I, he, I know he was that. involved some way. Yeah. yeah. And then Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Right, we shall see what happens. Right, mm-hmm. so on to this evening's main event. Um, so I suggested uh, 1999's The Ninth Gate. This is... All the nines. All the nines. Uh, so this film, I, I can't even tell you the first time I saw this because I don't remember. But I do remember it's one of those films that I I kind of... I really like for, for a very mainstream audience... I thought it was really good and it was well paced and it's, do you know what? I just got a romantic image of it. It's people running around Paris looking for (laughs) occult stuff to raise the devil. How can that not be your best weekend ever? Uh, So that's the way I see it. Um, I'm sure somebody on here may have a different opinion. We shall get to that. But in old tradition, let us start with Chris. All right. So, I need to uh, to give a little background. I knew very little about Roman Polanski. I don't think I've seen any of his other films. I had heard of the controversy. Now, I did know that he'd done Rosemary's Baby, which I know we've talked about many times and we will probably still be watching at some point. Definitely. Um, yep. And I think there was another film that he did... Fearless Vampire Killers, I keep wanting to... Uh, you, you have mentioned that as well, yeah, okay. Um, but, oh, and, and The Pianist, I always planned to watch it, just have never. Um, so I'd heard that film, and I'd heard it was a film worth watching. I didn't know it was by him um, until I checked it recently. But yeah, so so really, the most I knew about him was the controversy. And I didn't yeah. even really learn full details of that. Mostly I've learned of them through 
some comments by Adam and Lee at different <laughs> points and particularly earlier, you know, tonight. Um, so, so you got to think I was going to the, into this and I was trying to watch it as neutrally as possible mm. because it's that whole, you know, uh, at what point do you stop appreciating art because the person who made it has done some terrible things and possibly there'd be a lot of art that we would no longer be appreciating. So it's a hard thing to be sure about where the line is. Um, but I imagine that did put me in a slightly more critical view while mm. watching it as much as I try not to. Mm. Now, right, watching it, I, it was entertaining. It was definitely, I, I did like the style and the story seemed to be moving along. Um, I like Johnny Depp generally. Um, and, and yeah, it seemed to tick all the right boxes. Where, where I probably need all of you to fill me in it is if I was missing something, it, it didn't seem to have anything that grabbed me as really unique. I was sort of thinking when I look back on this, what exactly will I be remembering it for? And it did seem like, um, and funnily enough, I think, uh, Manny, you mentioned Sleepy Hollow, and I kept thinking of that because it was like a, uh, you know, I'd say a more normal um, version of that almost. So yeah, still got supernatural, yeah, demonic elements, but yeah, there's a very different... And, and they're roughly the same sort of time. I think they're within like uh, about five years of each other. Yeah. Okay. No, I think yeah. they were the same year. I think it's oh, right. the same year. Oh, wow. yeah. And so, yeah, so John, Johnny Depp um, trying to uncover a mystery, um, you know, as a, a detective, essentially. And yeah, and so... Um, yeah, like it was good, but I wasn't quite sure what it offered, especially over a lot of the other, other films. That might be we've watched some crazy films lately. Obviously, Society <laughs> was the most recent one in my mind that that could also colour <laughs> viewing of uh, subsequent films. I, I can, can I just say, if Roman Polanski directed Society, <laughs> fuck me, would we not be covering it? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's that is a very good say. point. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I would like to point out at this point, uh, I said it just before we started recording, although this is the fourth or fifth time I've seen this film, every time I do forget that it's Roman Polanski. So every time mm. I put it on and it starts and I go, oh, shit, yeah, it's Roman Polanski. So in my defence, I might have been more, should I bring this film to the table or is this just going to deteriorate pretty badly? And should we be watching it at all? But as I say, I honestly it just escapes my mind every time. So it wasn't until it came up and I was like, well, it's the night before. I can't really now be saying, should we be covering yeah. this? Because it's... But, but like I said, we are going to cover Rosemary's Baby, surely. We're not going to oh, not yeah. cover that. I yeah, mean, yeah. I've heard so much about that. Or at least, yeah. I've, again, I've not heard what it's about, really, but I've just heard positive comments. Um, I, th I, think it, I think that's... And to be honest, I think that's why to a certain extent, why Roman Polanski is still making films. Because he has, has made the, some really The cachet great... of, like, his early sort of period of it, basically, as as they are in my notes, but basically before and after him uh, becoming a fugitive from justice, essentially, um, there is a distinct sort of that period of early film, like you have got Fearless Vampire Killers, uh, Rosemary's Baby, Cul-de-Sac, which is 
incredible. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but that's just um, that's a, a very good film. The, uh, the Tenant, which is um, actually and and Repulsion, thinking about it, but like even The Tenant, and that is something that I don't know if I could go back to because mm. not only not only is it directed by him, he stars in it. Mm. Yeah, that's well, interesting. With, yeah. yeah. And that sort of like, and again, it's one of those things where you grew up being aware of, kind of aware of what the story is. But actually, when you look into it, there's no argument. And yeah, Roman Polanski is a rapist. So it's... Is that, so, yeah. so, I mean, we try not to go too much into politics um, and, and other difficult subjects yeah, yeah. always but but like what are the basics like he has essentially right done well, some serious crimes and he's that well i'll i'll go through because i've and actually here's a good idea if i go through my sort of potted history of roman polanski anyone who doesn't want to get involved with that sort of shit because it is some heavy and awful crap and not just what he's done but stuff that's happened to him as well um you might want to skip the next couple of minutes or whatever on the podcast and then we'll just get back around to the actual film itself because I think that's the point is we I think we do that separation let's mm -hmm. pretend we are we're the hosts of Gardener's World and we're assessing one of Fred West's patios <laughs> <laughs> you know is it a good patio that's, that's, that's what we're after so regardless of what the man did but um, but yeah, so if anyone wants to sort of skip through, but yeah. Um, so Roman Polanski was uh, born in Paris in 1933 uh, to Polish Jewish parents. They moved, the family moved back to uh, Krakow in Poland in 1937. Not a very good time to be Jewish and move back to Poland. Mm. Um, so after, when the Germans invaded, sparking World War II, uh, the Polanski family, which was uh, Roman, his mum and dad, and his stepsister Annette, they were moved into the Krakow ghetto with the rest of the city's Jewish population. Whilst there, as a very young child, he witnessed Nazi atrocities firsthand, including summary executions in the street. Oh, Around the age of seven, he saw his father being taken away to uh, being taken away to Matthausen concentration camp. Um, he tried to approach, and his dad basically had to shoo him away so he wouldn't be taken along as well. Um, and um, shortly after that, his mother and stepsister were taken to Auschwitz and his mother died in Auschwitz. So um, he managed to uh, get out of, uh, escape the ghetto around the age of 10, um, moved in with a Roman Catholic family who took him in and basically took him to church, taught him the hymns and everything so that he could pass as Catholic. Um, and then here's, a, here's, one for, here's one for the fact fans. He was actually denounced as not one of us by the, the local priest when he visited. Wow. And basically, yeah, so nice, nice one, Father. You fucking grassed him up. Grassed up a fucking 10-year-old saying, well, you know, he really should have been sent to Auschwitz. Mm. Yeah, nice one, mate. Um, he, um, yeah, so he had to move on. So he sort of travelled through rural uh, Poland trying to avoid the occupying German forces. After the war, he, re he did reunite with his dad in Krakow, 
uh, and began attending the uh, Wads National Film School. So he then did his first film, Knife in Water. Uh, he moved to England and directed Repulsion, Cul-de-Sac and The Fearless Vampire Killers, which is where he met the actress Sharon Tate. Um, they uh, got together. They were married in 1968. So Polanski and Tate moved to Hollywood because Paramount were looking for a project for Polanski because he was, you know, he was getting named for himself, but he'd been as like a European director. So this was going to be his first big Hollywood film. That's what turns into Rosemary's Baby. And obviously, massive hit, box office smash, rightly a fucking classic. Still, you know, what, what, whatever else as a film, fuck me, that is a fucking amazing film. Um, but then in February of 69, they moved into uh, a uh, 10,050 10, uh, CLO Drive in Los Angeles. Um, and uh, they were expecting a baby. Uh, and in August, Polanski went to London where he was scouting for locations for a film called The Day of the Dolphin. And then shortly after midnight on August the 9th, 1968, Tate, who was eight and a half months pregnant, and the guests at the house, Jay Sebring, Wojciech Frykowski and Abigail Folger, along with Stephen Parent, who was visiting the property's caretaker, were murdered by members of the Manson family. Um, it was Tex Watson, Susan Atkins, Linda Kasabian, and Patricia Kremwinkle. And the trouble is, is that Chialo Drive was previously the house of a guy called Terry Melcher, who was a record producer. And he was one of the people involved with the Beach Boys when Manson was involved with Dennis Wilson. So, he, like, Manson was familiar with this guy and familiar with his house. So when he sent people out, unfortunately, it was like he just directed them to places they knew. And it was like, right, go and raise hell. And so, yeah, they unfortunately were renting the house of someone that used to know Mads. Yeah. And, yeah, so... Um, and then the following night, they actually then committed the um, murders of uh, Leno and Rosemary Labianca. But obviously no one is caught for these crimes initially. Mm -hmm. So Polanski's brought back... To, I mean, obviously he had the alibi. He was in Europe. Mm -hmm. But he was brought back to this, you know, horrifying scene in his own home. His wife and child have been killed. The police are questioning him. And, like, uh, with regard to friends, have you got any enemies? Because no one was thinking this is just some random fucking thing. Mm. especially especially 60s Hollywood where I'd imagine that the, the cocaine was freely flowing so the paranoia was probably fucking through the roof um, and, and at this point understandably but um, but Roman Polanski sort of got a lot of pillorying in the press because it was like sort of oh well it's probably connections to drugs and so on and so forth and you know it just genuinely was the wrong place the wrong time mm. um now, obviously, eventually, I think it was um, late 69 when uh, Manson and then basically they all got arrested, like the family got arrested and the crimes were solved. But so that was the best part of sort of nearly two years of not knowing what's actually happened in this case and stuff like that. So obviously he wasn't uh, directing... Or, or anything like that and really at this point he started to have like a really antagonistic relationship with the press kind of understandably 
Um, but it's, you know, so <clears throat> he then made uh, Macbeth in 1970. Now, his version of Macbeth is really good. However, there is one horrible sort of report, which is where at one point a production designer described a murder scene as unrealistically gory. And Roman Polanski said, well, you should have seen my house last summer. Yikes. And you're like, fucking hell, you know, this is this is stuff that's going into that. And then he goes on to make what? Uh, Chinatown and then The Tenant. In 1977, at the age of 43, Roman Polanski met 13-year-old Samantha Gailey and her mother at a party, telling them that he was photographing young American girls for French Vogue. Uh, Gamer's mother allowed um, Polanski to take her out alone and he photographed her topless. Uh, Gailey didn't tell her parents and then a few weeks later uh, Polanski took her out again uh, plied her with champagne got her to take a sleeping pill and raped her uh, he then drove her home to her parents where she told them what had happened they called the police and Polanski was arrested the next day in his own autobiography Roman Polanski admits to this leaving out where the part where the child said no several times to his various sexual acts claiming it was consensual um, this would be regarded as statutory rape. In her own book, uh, Gailey, now Gamer, states uh, it was rape in every sense of the word, I said no. Uh, Polanski was arrested and charged with six offences um, and um, initially pleading not guilty on all charges. He then plea bargained to have the other charges dropped if he pled guilty to the one lesser charge of unlawful sexual intercourse with a minor, i.e. statutory rape. Um, uh, the uh, attorney oppressed for this, uh, Gailey's attorney oppressed for this in the hopes that obviously she wouldn't have to go through a court case. And it seemed like the most, you know, of the time, the best way to settle it, I suppose. Um, uh, but then the judge that was assigned to the case was Lawrence J. Rittenband, a relentless self-publicist who kind of was clearly thinking, well, this is going to make me famous because mm -hmm. I'm doing the big Hollywood Roman Polanski rape trial. And he basically was walking around town telling people, oh, yeah, I'm going to give I'm going to chuck the plea bargain out and then I'm going to give him 50 years and have him deported. And yeah, oddly enough, not really best practice for a judge. Nice. So, yeah. So um, basically, yeah. So there was a lot of. I think this is what has confused a lot of the issue is that the case was looking fucked up, but there is no argument about what Roman Polanski did. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think a lot of people kind of backtrack into that territory of like, oh, well, he wasn't going to get a fair trial and this guy was like fucking around and everything's like, yeah, but he still fucking did it. And, mm. you know, whatever, you know, whatever, ha whatever happens, that's, that's the case. Uh, anyway, so he was on bail. He went to England and then he went to France because French authorities will not deport one of their own citizens and he held joint citizenship, like French citizenship. Mm. Um, and to this day, he is officially a fugitive from US uh, justice. Mm. Um, over the ensuing years, more stories have come out suggesting Polanski has had a predilection for young women or girls, uh, including actresses Natasha Kinski and Charlotte Lewis talking about times when they were young and he was creeping on them. Um, Hollywood alumni have continued to support Polanski 
but these are notably becoming fewer by the year. Johnny Depp, when questioned about appearing in the Ninth Gate, claimed no prior knowledge of the case, which, you know, I'm not sure, mate, but, you know. I've got to say, I, it's like, again, I've clearly confused him with somebody else because I knew he was, you know, there, there were the claims against him. For some reason, in my mind, it was one of those, he flew to a country where it was legal and did it and then mm. came back and was frowned upon. Like, in my mind, that was what had happened. I didn't realise no. it at all. Right, okay. But anyway, let's yeah. not... This is supposed to be a comedy show, so let's not, exactly. let's, let's not mention Polanski again and tear this film a new ass because apparently that's what some of you have got planned. That's fine. <laughs> I'm going to... So, so I, I apologise to everyone, but I just thought... It's I, got to be covered. We can't yeah, not discuss it's, it. It's got to be covered. And also, in a weird way, I wanted to make it clear in my own head. Mm. Because, again, this is something that I think is just a difficulty in the world now is as things become, you know, as things come out about people, it's like, all right, do you throw that all away? Mm. Or is it there? Do you build from it? It's... You know, it's one or the other, but um, yeah. So, fuck you, Roman Polanski, you massive rapist. We're going to review your film without mentioning you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. His name will no longer be mentioned from here on in. Um, no. So, Chris wasn't overly taken. I'm, I'm open to hearing the positives. I say it could have been my state of mind. It could have been that we just watched Society. I don't know. But, yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's happened where we've talked about it and then things make more sense or yeah. things that I didn't notice. So, yeah, like to hear all of your takes. Fair enough. So, oh, where should we go next? Let, let's try Manny. Let's see what Manny makes of it. And Yeah. So what did, what did you think? I know you said uh, that you, I, I said we were going to cover it. You rented it and resented it afterwards. So <laughs> no, I didn't I didn't even I didn't, I, I didn't even rent it. I bought it because it was um, it was only a pound more. But I am well, sorry. Yeah so I, I was I was hoping it was on a streaming service. It wasn't. Um and then there's this IMDB TV thing now which it's got mm. loads of stuff on. Yeah. It's free but there's adverts in and so I watched the first 20 minutes. I was really enjoying it and then the adverts started kicking it was pissing me off. So I was like <laughs> I'll just buy it. It's only four quid. I won't regret that. Lee says it's good. Turns out I do regret it um, <laughs> because I've, I, I have no interest in watching it again. Um, so my view on it is uh, I, I was really enjoying it. Um, I, I liked it. I mean, I say really enjoying it. It was good. Um, I, I felt that the production was pretty poor um, on it. Uh, there was a couple of times like when when the, the, the female that is just called the girl or whatever. Yeah. She flies a couple of times, and I was like, "Did she, did she just fly, or did I miss that?" And and then I was like, "No, wait, she's just flown again," um, and and it just looked crap. But I, the first, I, I the first time round, the first time round, she flies. I thought she'd just gone down the banister. Yes, <laughs> that's why I wasn't sure. Yeah, and then and then when she did it from the balcony later, I was like, yeah. "Oh, yeah, she was definitely yeah, flying. she's fine." Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I think the thing that I, I found about it, and I'm just going to refer to my notes now, um, was uh, the things that I, I'll start with the things I did like. Um, I liked at the beginning with the, I, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but there was a juxtaposition between the music and what was going on in the scenes at the beginning, 
where mm. there was ominous music when everyday stuff was happening. Mm. And then there was quite lighthearted music when it was the uh, meant to be like the uh, thrillery bits. So mm. he's in the th he's in the library reading um, and it's that score, which I really liked. Um, I don't know who I should have checked who the composer was, but um, it was the, this. Queen. It, I can't pronounce his name, <laughs> but it's the same guy who did Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, okay, cool. cool. It's like um, War Check Killer. I think that's his name, but that's a I've probably just name. insulted him in some way. <laughs> yeah. um, so I like that and in the library. And then when there was the, the death of his friend um, and it was all the happy music. And at some point in the film, that starts to invert and it actually matches what's going on. So I don't know whether that was intentional or not, but I like that. Um, I did like the jumping around different places, as you said, Lee, going through Paris, looking for stuff. But what it started to become more and more like for me um, was a Dan Brown novel where there's mm. lots of jumping around cool locations. You're looking for something satanical or uh, religious secty. Um, and then it has a shit twist or lack of twist or nothing in this case. Um, uh, it, I felt it was a nothing anyway um, of an ending, which then those kind of books where it's all like page turners or films that are all uh, really quick uh, story and stuff and it's moving around and you're mm. finding clues and stuff it so relies on the ending being a payoff mm. and I didn't I thought the ending was not a payoff and therefore sullied the entire film for me um, so yeah one of the notes I wrote was yeah Dan Brownie but I don't like Dan Brown um, <laughs> and it was and, and it was and it was worse than a Dan Brown novel um, that's how I felt. And as I said, the um, the thing I was comparing it to, um, as Chris was saying with, with Sleepy Hollow is, um, and it's also kind of similar to what I was talking about Malignant and mm. the Prisoner of Ghostland issue earlier, is that what I found is that they were similar, same time frame um, as in when they were made. It's got Johnny Depp in and it's all about uncovering a satanical thing or uncovering something mysterious with someone who doesn't believe and then learns to believe. Mm. Um what I love about Sleepy Hollow continuously is just how much Tim Burton goes for it and embraces the silliness of it all. Mm. And there's lots of really like, it's not like laugh out loud bits, but there's bits that are funny, uh, very funny in the way that Johnny Depp portrays the character. A lot of the other characters do stuff in funny ways. And the scenery is like, it's, it, it's so clearly a set. Mm. Um, and I like that. Uh, whereas this, it felt like it was trying to do a pretentious version of that. Yeah. And it, yeah, and it fell flat because mm. it took itself so seriously. Mm. But it but it was it was poor. Um, and that's what annoyed me about it. It's like if you're going to go with something silly, then do it fully. Don't yeah. pretend it's something really artsy. And it came across as like a, I'm, uh, you know, I'm. I won't mention the name of the director, but I didn't know it was him either. And when I put, when it popped up, I wasn't bothered by it as such because I have managed to separate those kind of things. I do the same thing with mm. Kevin Spacey. Um, I don't like him, but I can't ignore how amazing of an actor he is. Mm. Um, so it didn't well, bother me. I don't like him, but I'm not never watching Seven ever again. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that yeah. and LA Confidential. Mm. I'm going to watch yeah, those every yeah. year. <laughs> um. So that that didn't bother me, um, but 
I just and I haven't I admit I've not seen any other Polanski films so I and I didn't know the breadth of his films until you guys were talking about it earlier so I want to go and watch those um but I was yeah I was just I was really disappointed um overall at the end of it because it just yeah the summing up is it's it felt very pretentious to me and didn't pay off and I thought the ending was really weak um like stunningly weak uh like it was missing I feel like the film was missing a lot on the editor's floor but I don't know how long the film would have been because it's already two hours and 20 minutes yeah yeah, yeah. I get that was another um, one when I put it on even I went oh shit. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah well um even, even so the yeah that, that's basically it it, it, it felt mm. like a bad tv movie of a mm. poor Dan Brown style novel um so yeah pretty, pretty condemning oh no <laughs> but that's... I, I I, I like Johnny Depp though. Um, <laughs> I think he was good. And Frank Langella as well, to be fair. I yeah. was getting confused. Mm. I was getting confused with him and um the, the British guy who's in last night in Soho. When I saw Frank Langella, I was like, oh, um, it's Terence Stamp. That's who I thought it was. And then oh, I yeah. forgot that he's kind of like the American Terence Stamp. Yeah. Um, and and I really liked him in it. So Pluses and minuses, but yeah, I'm 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 upset. I spent four pounds on it, and I can't return it. I apologise for that, <laughs> and I will definitely buy you a beer to make up for that at some point. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, Adam, here we go. Is this going to be start a... positive? No, I'm going to start positively. Oh god, because... I'm going to start positively. Fucking yeah, hell. no, because we're because we're there. Do you know what I got Frank Langella? I just got pure Christopher Lee vibes. Yes, he yeah. does it. It is uh, seriously. I'm like just everything. It was like the height, the sternness, the suit, the um, you don't like me, do you, Mister Corso? <laughs> it was just a very. He, he was just channeling Christopher Lee. So every mm. time he was on, I was really fucking. He is a very good villain, even when it's on the phone and he keeps asking him, "Well, where are you?" And it's you know he's just very calmly telling him, "Well, I'm." I'm afraid we're going to have to have you buggered with a cactus and left in the back of the taxi. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I thought... Uh, but the one thing I will say is if you've got a demonic library hidden behind plexiglass, 666 is your fucking entry code. <laughs> is Blank, isn't it? dumb. Yeah, it's stupid. Because it's going to be the first one I'm going to go to. <laughs> and it, again, the other thing as well that got me, not to jump in, sorry, Adam, but again, no, no, if I don't mention it now, I'll forget, because as I say, I didn't write any notes for this in the end. They, As you say, everyone has got all these collections and they're all so, you know, they like you say, you, they keep them in airtight containers and blah, blah. This prick smokes over every... He's, he's oh. got a fag on and a brandy, the whole, and it's like, Something's going to get spilt on that book and it's going to be... Fu- I mean, even when the, one of the two brothers drops fag ash on it and just flicks it off the page, and you're like, oh, fuck! Now, <laughs> those, those two, right, that is something that completely blew my fucking mind. And when I read about it, blew my mind slightly more. Because those two, I was like, the fuck is going on? This, <laughs> what is wrong here? Something's wrong here. And... Also, they're clearly dumped. Yeah. And then when I looked into it, that's one actor. I was wondering whether it was that. Yeah. Yeah. And for some fucked up reason, the man who will not be named has decided, no, gets better. 
that guy's not an actor. He is the production uh, fucking manager. What? Right? Right? Yeah. I, I swear, this is insane. Where is his name? I bloody wrote it. I, I wrote it down. Yeah. yeah. Jose Lopez Rodero, who, strangely enough, is part was uh, head of the Spanish unit. Um, but, uh, yeah, he is also, and also quite a, a prolific second unit director. And so one of them's dubbed by the director as well, which is just fu- fucking weird. But, and then I thought to myself, maybe it's because they had the look. Do you know what I mean? He's like, all oh, right, these guys look perfect for these twins for, um, you know, like they've got that bookish sort of like the moustaches and they're balding and everything else like that. No, because that's not what they fucking look like. Cause they also play the builders who are re- renovating the shop at the end. <laughs> and that's really what the bloke looks like. And you're like, and I, now that, I, qu- I quite like that, that it's like, oh, no, you know, because it's something I genuinely would not have realised. But I think it's a nice intrinsic thing within the sort of wheels within wheels conspiracies that this sort of dabbles in. Um, but yeah, I do not know what on fucking God's earth is the reason that the production manager has been dressed up like the fucking granddad from Bread. <laughs> And then filmed talking to his fucking self and dubbed. It is insane. I'm genuine. And so, yeah. But also, and I think this is back to Ray Harryhausen on Blu-ray. This film, Blu-ray has really done the back projection disservice. Because mm. all the back projection stuff looked really artificial. Yeah. But at first I wasn't sure because I thought to myself, oh, is it? like a noir homage but mm. i don't think that that's this film's bag this is noir in the sense that 90s thrillers are noir rather than we've gone and done dutch angles and big shadows and sin city did do you know what i mean it's yeah. like it's not meant to be it doesn't have that artifice to it it takes mm. in we, in a weird way it's because again it is taking itself a bit too seriously mm. so it kind of doesn't have a playfulness that you would get of, say, you know, someone trying to go, oh, yeah, if you were watching, like, Kiss Me Deadly or something like that, the back projection would look shit. So we've put it in here. But I think, yeah, so that that just completely uh, f- threw me. Also, and again, this, I think, is one of those things that looks in a... If you read it in a book, it sounds right, and then someone adapted it for the screen and just... Because this is based on a book called The Dumas Club. Um, and the Dumas um, Club. Not The Dumas Club. That is a club that <laughs> I've been running for several years, Chris, as you know. And I feel that to out me directly on the, on the podcast is, is, is nothing short of a trail of trust. Oh, but <laughs> The Dumas Club, as in D-U-M-A-S, as in the mm. author Alexandra Dumas... Um, because the book has a secret society that is obsessed with serialized novels, such as those written by Alexandre Alexandre Dumas. Um, Also, and I thought this was a bit crap, originally the book was going to be called The Book Detective, which is the worst fucking title of it, because they do, at some point, someone says it to him. That's why it's stuck in my head, I think. But yeah, someone says, oh, you're kind of a book detective. It's like, oh my God, yeah, that would... 
no one is paying money to adapt the book detective. <laughs> that's de that's definitely not happening. Um, but yeah, so oh sorry, yeah. So what I was saying was yeah. So that bit at the end, did you get Peter Griffin in your head go, holy crap, I'm stuck in the stairs when <laughs> Johnny Depp is pushed through the floorboards and just jammed? And I feel that that's something that in a book reads right. Mm. Because you'd be doing it from the protagonist's point of view and they're struggling. and But all it looks like is he's propped up in the floor. <laughs> well, well, Frank Langella burns himself to death. Again, that's another one as well from plot point of view. Start low with invulnerability. Stick a drawing <laughs> pin in your hand. Yeah. Stub your toe. Tread on Lego. Don't. <laughs> burn yourself to fucking death <laughs> especially because i was watching it with claire claire uh, and myself we like to add commentary and humor to uh, a process as we're watching things it just naturally happens and he poured the thing over himself and was going there's nothing and then claire went oh getting a bit hot though isn't it and then literally was the point that he was like huh? ah! and then, <laughs> And if, so if you've got the same beat as a comedy thing, I think that's just a worry. Yeah. But I think, oddly enough, and this is this probably this will probably annoy you more than anything anyone will say tonight, Lee. It reminds me of later Dario Argento, and I think it might be maybe it's European production or whatever it is. But it reminds me of like later Dario Argento, where he's got he's lost all the like mad colours and filters and stuff like that. I mean, he's still got the, the fucking soundtrack still up to 11, so it's still going to be unbearable for you, Lee. But I think that it reminds me of like Stendhal Syndrome or um, Sleepless. They're sort of like the later sort of jallo, uh, jallo that um, he's done. Yeah. And it ha they all have that similar sort of 90s look. I mean, admittedly, they're made in the 90s, so that's probably what it is. But I think it is just that sort of production. But, but I think, like you were saying about like the Dan, I'm glad you said Dan Brown because that's I was trying to work mm, it out because I was going yeah. Indiana Jones oh, in yeah. my head. But I think that was also because Claire was pointing out, you know how no one's as attractive, that there's not an archaeologist as attractive as Harrison Ford. And she was like, there's no way a bloke who buys rare books can like scale walls and stuff like that. Mm. <laughs> and, yeah. and, to, and to be fair, Johnny Depp looks tiny in this for some reason. Yeah, he does. He, it's you know, it's he's he, he looks delicate. It's like you don't want to, you, you wouldn't want to like touch him for fear of like him shattering. And so it does seem a bit weird when he's doing actiony sort of stuff. Mm. Although it is quite good that he's clearly, um, the character is is clearly out of his depth, which is why the girl is there to back him up because he would have just got his head fucking trodden on like three countries back and someone would have nicked the book so it sort of makes sense in that in that way again another thing that i liked about it and, and to be fair as i say i've mentioned i've seen this film four or five times and there's a lot i really like about it i had forgotten the end i couldn't remember how it ended which is part of the yeah. reason i wanted to go back and watch it and then I, when i watched it back i was like Oh, yeah, the reason I forgot the end, because it's really forgettable. It's, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. But what I did remember was that, yeah, he sent 
Johnny Depp after it. And then at the end, Frank Langella just walks into that cult and just kicks the shit out of everyone and walks out of his book. I'm taking that. And if anyone's got a problem, you can fucking see me outside. And everyone just shits their <laughs> pants and runs away. Yeah, yeah I would and all. He's pretty scary. All I wanted to hear was just one disappointed voice at the back going, so is the old Geoff then? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was funny when they're all running or running away and uh, their like robes are falling off. And there's just yeah. tits and ass flying everywhere. <laughs> like, yeah, the, the, there's some comedy bits in it, but I don't think it was. I, I didn't was feel it, like it was intentionally not intentional. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, there's the bit where he um, she gives him his glasses back. Hmm. And they're just stuck out to one side and everything. Yeah. And it's just, Johnny Depp, really, and I think that's probably what does this film more of a disservice than anything else, is Johnny Depp is a very fucking good comedy actor. Mm. And if they'd have gone more, I don't know, more Jack Burton with mm. Corso. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, because you want, you want a rogue, in a sense. And you want someone who feels like, yes, they are going to con, like, a terminally ill man out of mm. books that are worth fucking millions upon millions and stuff like that. But you want, yeah, you want that sort of slightly comedic thing. And I think Johnny Depp puts it in there, but I don't think the film does. Yeah. So yeah, just him sitting there with the glasses stuck out and he just turns and looks at her perfectly when she goes, I think your glasses are broken. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> You know, and so there's sort of little touches like that. Actually, I really liked when, because at first it was a bit crap, but when he's sitting in the Baroness's uh, library with his back to the door, learn a lesson, um, and someone creeps in and clubs him, I do like that he's reading and then there's the thud and it's and the his book is near it. Yeah. The brim. <laughs> I actually thought that was really fucking good. Um, also, Top marks for the funniest dead person in a wheelchair that I've seen in a long time. So, you know, that is just it's funny. Yeah. That always sticks in my head as well. Just that bit when she goes wheeling off and smashes through the door. And again, like you say, it's that comedy thing. She smashes through the door, see the fire, and he goes, <gasps> and it, it's proper like fear and loathing in Las Vegas, Johnny mm. Depp, just for that yeah. one fraction of a shot. Is that, yeah, it seems to be that part of the film that he kind of wakes up. Hmm. And sort of add, adds a bit, like has started adding that sort of thing to it a bit, because I mean it's even, I mean, I mean even down to that when it's like right, you've got when it's uh, you've you've got to go and see the Baroness again, and it's like, have you seen her secretary? Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> she could clearly like take him apart, no problem. Although, like I say, most people in this film, I think, is, but apart from obviously the orgy guests, even though it's like there's like fifty of you. Again, you know, you can't fucking punch you all. <laughs> but that's yeah. what. And, I... and also, aren't you supposed to like praise the devil? Like, where's your backbone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, this is supposed to be a cult, and you'll run away because Frank Langella, an old man, turns up and punches a woman. Like, what's wrong with you? To be fair, like, what I liked about that is that I can imagine that is what it'd be like. It'd be everybody who's there really. Mm for the orgy and for a bit of a fun social <laughs> thing where you all get to hang out at this creepy gothic place and then it's like Two drinks and a bit of Humpty Dumpty yeah exactly yeah and then it's like oh what I've got to fight some well I didn't sign up for this like I've paid for this robe and I don't want to get in a fight in it 
I've, you know, I've got me balls out underneath this. Basically, I'm just wearing a dress and you want me to go and fight a man in a three-piece suit. I'm going to come out worse out of this, I think. If I'm... <laughs> well, that, that bit where, the, where um, I mean, we're calling him Johnny Depp. That bit where Johnny Depp and um, the girl are being led away by that bloke. It's like, he's barefoot. You've got shoes on. Just tread his fucking feet. You'll learn. <laughs> <laughs> And also, also that transformation because that guy um, uh, Telfer's, um, I suppose, bodyguard or driver or whatever like that, out in the street, looks quite threatening. Mm. And then, weirdly enough, put a robe and a gold chain on him, and suddenly it's like he's just fabulous. Yeah. You know what <laughs> I mean? There's no threat now. You know, he just looks like he's going to be Belle of the Ball, and it's. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is it is a tonally strange. You saying about Johnny Depp though, looking sort of delicate. I, although obviously he's a very good looking guy and all the rest of it, I don't remember ever seeing him shirtless apart from in this. So maybe he has just he's got a very attractive face, but he like you imagine him to be fairly, you know, sort of felt under. You, you imagine you spent a lot of time like in the a gym. Lot of, yeah. like mm. like. Like Brad Pitt or someone like that, where yeah. you assume that it, it it works with the shirt off. Exactly. And then when you just see him, you go, oh, yeah, no, he looked like I did at 12 years old. Uh, it was, <laughs> you know. It, oh, yeah. And it just, just kind of shocked you a bit. You know, oh, right. Sorry. That's not what I was expecting at all. So I can, I can honestly say I bet there are people out there who could give us the full list of whenever Johnny Depp has appeared topless. <laughs> so, you know, I don't think that, you know, I don't think we'd need to go far to find. I would go and get Lady Jennifer, but she's working at the moment. I bet she could probably tell us how <laughs> to be honest. I was about to crack the same joke about Anna. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I can't remember whether we do full spoilers on this or not. So I know we've spoken about the ending. Um, Mm. And and so on. But what was your guys' interpretation of the female and the and the ending? Because uh, I know I have my interpretation. I, I kind of figured who I thought the girl was about halfway through. Um, but yeah, what what did you guys think about? Well, I I saw her as I don't know a kind of left hand to the devil to make sure that everything followed the path it was supposed to. But again, as you say, it's never it's never really made clear. Obviously, you see that she is in the ninth engraving. So mm, she yeah. was part of the story all along in order for it to play out. But yeah, who she actually is, I think, is very much open to your own ideas. Anyone else? Well, I, I, I mean, I went on a deep dive. I mean, that was basically my take. Uh, on it anyway but yeah I went on a, a sort of a bit of a deep dive because the um, it's I don't know whether this is something that's been I don't know whether this is something that's in the book so people take it as read hmm. or whether it's just someone has you know you know you get you've got two extremes with directors where it's either David Lynch where it's like I'm not going to fucking discuss this with you whatsoever whatever hmm. whatever your take on it is that's the truth um, and then to the other side of it, we just get people who are just like, no, I don't mean that. No, that's not <laughs> yeah. it. You know, and I, I, I respect both sides of it. So I won. I don't know if this was like, this is just something that someone's put out there, but basically she is the whore of Babylon, um, which is 
the right, you know, uh, an adjutant to hell. Yeah. You know, and basically... Uh, so, have we got a full description of the Whore of Babylon? Yeah. Uh, and this is how she turns up in uh, Revelation. Uh, Good old Revelation. Uh, Revelation 17, 3 to 6. Thank you very much. <laughs> like, like he knows what those numbers mean. <laughs> <laughs> A woman sitting... Oh, I mean, do you want me to... I'll, I'll do it as Christopher Lee. A woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with golden jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. <laughs> and you see why people believe the, the uh, Bible, can't you? Really? Yeah, I've just remembered why I wouldn't let Toby read it. Thanks. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot to explain if someone, if a well, child gets hold of the Bible. I, I again, harking back to a previous episode, I have to say that I think the majority of the Bible is society. In the is is the is the first bit, of society, and then you get to not, Revelation. Not that's the, that's the shun scene. Mm, yeah, and yeah. that's when you're like, holy fuck, this is taken. This is yeah. escalated. You know. And, and you, you've had burning bushes but and the, more. There are hints that you can like collect, collecting scrotums and you know. Yeah, there's all sorts of moments but, throughout. But you clearly Babylon, know it better than I do. But in the Bible, Babylon represents Rome and the Roman Empire, and then the whore of Babylon um, is a sort of personification of that, and is the spirit of seduction and seductive culture during the end of days, mm. and she rides on the back of the first beast of revelation, which is the, yeah. So she's on the seven heads and 10 horns, which is the engraving essentially in, in the film. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so that, so that's kind of who she is. So she is like a, a hellish adjutant, but also a seducer. Hence the reason why they immediately have sex outside a burning building, despite the fact that you're, you're, pretty wanted and you've nicked at least three cars yeah and, and someone thinks you've killed you've drowned someone set someone else on fire um yeah and uh, she can make yeah. her eyes glow green i'd quite like that superpower yeah it'd be it, quite good from an intimidation point of view isn't it you know just sort of like you know, <laughs> But that's the other thing that bothered me about Depp's character was that um, a he seemed to be really blasé about what seemed to be his probably closest friend dying, um, and and also quite a lot of murder. He didn't really that didn't seem to bother him that much, other than half-heartedly trying to get out of the deal. But he also seemed to be really fucking stupid because he sees this girl continuously through the film, and he's like, "Oh, so what do you do here?" And it's like. The, Sorry, you saw her in right at the beginning. You clearly clocked her because you were looking at her. Um, and then you saw her in France and or Spain or wherever the first time you saw her was. And you're not immediately going to her. Why are you following me? I saw you a week ago in a in a random class in the US. 
and now you're here in France and then I've seen you in Spain and he just doesn't yeah it doesn't seem to be, to be fair that, right? could it be he was forgetting to act and he's just so used to women appearing everywhere he goes <laughs> it's like that's just normal <laughs> yeah. or or is this something again that we've not explored is that it's just meant to be that Corso's just like well I'm not going to skew the deal because I could be on here <laughs> yeah yeah because no, like, I mean, I mean let, let's face it we all know what's going on when uh the widow Tefler, to give her uh, her oh, yeah. hours name turns up and it's like <laughs> yeah. we all know what she's doing he does fuck her yeah <laughs> and then says i'm not selling you the book so you know it's just a smutty shagger so yeah like, yeah he's that's true you know, he, he's pre- pretending to be dumb <laughs> yeah he's not interested in the in the guy in the rolls royce so yeah. he immediately is like, well, I'm just going to go and sit in a cafe for ages. <laughs> Thank you for that, my dear. Uh, Claire is just off. Everyone, everyone knows that. Yeah, everyone knows that book detectives are drowning in pussy. Yeah. So. <laughs> you saying Thank about you. them having to immediately have sex outside that burning building? This is terrible, and this probably speaks volumes about me. But in my head, when I saw them, all I was thinking is, oh, she's been wearing them clothes for the last few <laughs> weeks. That's not going to smell <laughs> nice getting her out of that lot. <laughs> we know she's had the same socks on because you keep showing us. <laughs> oh. And also, can, can I just say, yeah, but then Johnny Depp's been wearing the same bloody clothes as well. The pair of them must have just smelled like <laughs> an old packet of sovereign. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, it's, it's again, it kind of seems like that thing where there seems to have been a point to it that, that he who must not be named was making. But it, mm. to me, it just seemed cheap. It's like mm. you just haven't splashed out on a costume design here. You've just got them wearing <laughs> the same clothes for three weeks. It's like, fuck's sake, just spend a bit of money. And then when you were telling me about the production guy, uh, yeah. and they used, they used that guy four <laughs> times. And I'm like, did you just yeah. have no money to make this film? <laughs> I used that guy four times who's not an actor and this is <laughs> yeah. who didn't even look like it. it's like I mean that is yeah I'm glad you said that about that's not how they look like though because I definitely thought he looks like he's wearing a bald cap and I was like oh, yeah. I'm not sure though it's like he can't he can't be wearing a bald cap and it turns out he was <laughs> yeah because there's only one of him <laughs> yeah. I found some of the camera work as well the the scene when he's uh, when you see him in the hotel room and he's putting the wrapping the book up in that leather and putting it behind the the camera looks really shaky there because like the door frame was just in view and it kept kind of tilting and changing and I was like mm. is someone just handing I... that in a handheld camera like is it just being is it one of them great big nineteen eighties jobs and someone's <laughs> just counterbalancing it it looked really but yeah I mean yeah because because of the way that was that was happening during that bit because I, I noticed that as well I was expecting there to be like the old reveal like he closes the door and then she's squatting there or something like yeah. that next to him you know just to sort of um, like some form of surprise or whatever like that but and then it was like oh no you just you, you just gave it to <laughs> you gave it to Shaky Bill to film that bit did you? <laughs> I was just about to say old Shaky Pete's <laughs> gold of the camera don't <laughs> let him ever go <laughs> also and that again is, and uh, you know, I don't mean to pick holes, but there we go. Um, when he goes and looks, when when he finds the chamois leather on the floor, 
And at, at that point, you're like, well, look, mate, you've you've fucked up so badly. You're just going to have to go and clean cars for a living anyway. So I keep hold of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he picked up, and so they've discarded the that. But whoever nicked it put the fridge back and put the tray with the glasses back. Yeah. And it's like, and then threw the thing away just like, oh, <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> you know, I reckon, I reckon that there's the possibility that the thief had bipolar. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he started off with the best of intentions, had a downswing, and then was just like, ah, fuck it. Uh, <laughs> keep your fucking lever, prick. <laughs> you know, now, what you've done is, a year from now, I'm going to look back and think, that, that was a pretty good film. You've made it so much fun. This is yeah. exactly what I get every time. When I think back to this film, what I think of is, Frank Langella walking into that cult and going, are any of you taking this seriously enough to get in my way? And I'm all going, you yeah, know, not really, sir. Sorry, sorry. And, sorry and sitting in cafes in Paris, smoking endless cigarettes and drinking brandy, watching the sun go down, which, which I've done and I love doing. I've done it multiple times. So See, in my I mind, guess... it's just, oh, it's a lovely weekend in Paris <laughs> with some Satanists. And then I watch a film and go, yeah, it's a bit of a fucking mess. But, I still find it a lovely romantic journey. See, see, and I did wonder to myself, I thought, I bet Lee likes the travel aspect of this. Yeah. That was funny enough. When I was watching, I was like, yeah, I could see, I could see that would definitely, um, you know, that would definitely be part of the, the appeal. Um, but all in all, I think the best way I can sum it up is, certainly from my point of view, is when you said I'd heard of The Ninth Gate, I can be totally honest, I have never heard anyone slag it off, but I've also never heard anyone rave about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it was like, oh, it's, you know, it's a weird one. And again, I went to it and it was like, oh, it's a Roman Polanski film as well, you know. It's sort of just a, yeah, that's how little I knew about it. I knew that it was the film that came out with Johnny Depp in it and was probably about devil worship. And that was literally it. And yeah. And I think that it might just be one of those things that just has breezed through mm. in a way, you know. But I can, yeah, I don't I don't think I'll watch it again. But equally, like you say, Chris, I think it's going to be one of those things where it's like, oh, no, we had a laugh about that, didn't we? <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> and Frank Langella is fucking topping it. Yeah, mm. awesome. Uh, I still need to see his uh, Dracula movie. I've got it on the on the shelf. It's been there for ages. I know people tell rave me about, about it. it, saying it's the bollocks, and I still haven't got round to actually putting it in and watching it. So, well, when I when I was looking that up, it's got fucking Donald Pleasance and Sylvester McCoy in it, and I've never fucking seen it. It's just fucking ludicrous. Oh, oh, you saying that? I had just started watching a film yesterday, ready for our first film we will be watching in January. So I won't tell you what it is, but it is another rendition of that film with Brian Blessed and Denham Elliott, which I've never seen. And I was like, how has that gone under the radar? I will share that with you at a later point, what that film is, Adam. But uh, yes. while we're recording, because we're not going to No, yeah, I know. Adam is that. Wow. Um, anyway, so on that note, so that is a no from Manny, definitely. That is a no from Chris as a recommendation. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll go that side of things. Adam, are you also a no? I'm, I'm probably on a, on a scale of one to five. I'm probably 
three thumbs up um, Whitney Strieber's arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Uh, yes, I will say if if like me, you are stuck in in lockdown and missing travel to places like Paris, <laughs> it's a lovely you, film to sit and drink. You might get more out of watch. this. Yeah. But yeah. And as I say, it, it's got enough that every two, three years I go, oh, I should watch that again. And then I watch it and completely forget it exists. So, yeah, I mean, I, I have it as a recommend as. Uh, an interesting way to spend the evening. If it, if it comes, if it's on TV and it comes your way, watch it. But don't do a manny and spend four quid and then send me a nasty <laughs> email. Because uh... <laughs> yeah, no, can I say I'm I'm very pleased to have a bona fide film filmography expert on with us. Yeah, what, what was it you studied? I, I... Uh, film studies, but definitely studies. not that. No, uh, well, I am I'm on okay. the lo- lower end of film. I'm sitting here and you guys are talking about stuff and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so out of depth. Um, so, but, well, see uh, what I have to put up with every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but I but, do really want to watch The Society, though, because you ooh, guys have made it sound um, really interesting. <laughs> if, if, if uh, I'd love to hear society, what you think of that. I know, I know nothing about it, so right. I do want to watch it. Yeah. Don't next- listen to the episode. Don't watch a trailer. Mm. Just, no, no, I won't. Just find yeah. the film and watch it with no idea what is going to happen. Um, now, can, yeah. can I put you on the spot and say, what are your favourite films? Are any of them behind you? Because I can see a row. Oh, yeah. So, actually, yeah, there are some behind me. Um, I can see the Twin Peaks box set there, the gold oh, set. Oh, eagle eye. Yeah. I, I also have an eight-piece Steven Seagal box set as well, <laughs> which, <laughs> which, I, which I bought at university in conjunction with a Jonathan Creek box set because me and my friends said that we were going to become uh, martial art experts who solved crimes um, <laughs> how did that turn out none of those things happened <laughs> how much weed did you smoke to have quite, gone... I, I did have a i did have a cartman bong so it was quite a lot of weed um but yeah favorite films i've, I've never really been able to put them um, all down yeah. into categories uh, or or give them all but um I would say favourite horror film, uh, again, I couldn't do it, but favourite slasher, Scream, favourite uh, satanic stuff, Hereditary, scared the shit out of me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Favourite um, found footage, Blair Witch, mm. slash maybe Wreck. Uh, yeah, Wreck is good. You've got to see Wreck. Oh, reckon, reckon, watch Wreck and Wreck 2 back to back. That's a great set scene. Um <clears throat> And yeah, I love uh, love the ring, Japanese one. Mm. And I do as much as I hate watching it, um, and can I don't think I'll ever watch it again. But Martyrs is fantastic, but yeah. just awful. Uh, it is really uncomfortable. Mm. I'll I'll be a hundred percent. I love the film Martyrs. I'm not going to watch it again. We were going to watch it for the podcast, and then Lee obviously Lee said, "Oh, we're not." We're not doing it now. And I must confess, this was on the day I was mm. about to watch it. I think I'd literally like started it and then Lee messaged and I was like, yeah, great. Should we do the Raven? Because I was like that fucking sort of just like, yeah. oh, thank God I haven't got to watch this again. <laughs> yeah. And what, what, what would you oh. compare Marches to? Oh, sorry, Lee. Requiem gonna... for a Dream, Chris. Watch oh, it. Oh, is it? Oh, are you sure? <laughs> 
I was just going to say, I should explain for the list. So at the time, we just said we were going to cover that and something's changed and we didn't do it. So what had happened is I discussed it with Manny and he'd said, you know, I, I want to cover it. I said, yeah, great. That's fine. Uh, we'd put it in the diary and I'd said to Adam, we were going to, and he was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then it came to the day before when it arrived and I looked at the case and was like, yeah, this isn't what I thought it was. And I was like, I think I'm going to be broken if I watch this and it's going to be, it's not going to be a funny it's podcast. It's going to be the worst. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a bit like, I remember I went out with a- I was just consoling you. I went to a pub once with a friend of mine for lunch and he told me the night before he'd watched a Serbian film. And honestly, every 20 minutes or so, just... he kept like just staring off into space. And I go to him, James, are you all right? And he go, it's that fucking film, man. And I was like, Flashbacks. you know what? I don't, I don't need to watch a film that does that to me. I don't think I'm going to gain anything. And that's, <laughs> that's what I had visions of. I was like, I'm going to fuck myself up for the rest of my life for the sake of recording a podcast that isn't going to be funny because I'm just going to start crying. I was like, yeah, no, fuck that. I'm not doing it. So I apologise for the fact we never covered that. Um, it, it, it's fine. The first time I bought it, I was going through a big horror, because I go in and out of horror phases. I mm. bought it, watched it. I love watching them by myself in the dark. It's a way to watch them. Mm. I've got a couple of friends I will sometimes watch them with because they're fun to watch with, but generally I like watching by myself. Watched it and gave the DVD away because I didn't <laughs> want to possess it. Um, yeah. And then, and then I repressed it uh, to the mm. point where, where people were asking me what the worst film was, I wouldn't mention it because I'd repressed that I'd watched it. Um, and then, yeah, rewatching it, it's it's not scary. Um, it's just incredibly dark and sad. Um, and it, and it's yeah, grueling. Yes, yeah. Mm. You feel like you're the one that's been tortured. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to watch it again. And now it just keeps coming up on Amazon Prime saying, watch it again. I'm like, no, never because again. You, because you liked this, why don't you watch Sallow? No, 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 yeah. don't need that. See, see, yeah. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm not saying I'll never watch Martyrs again, but I know that I will have to be in a very particular state of mind and just want the universe to confirm that state of mind. Mm. <laughs> yeah. no, and, no. It, and, and it will not be a good day. Yeah, we'll go and like. watch it with you on that day. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's definitely a no. <laughs> I can't see Claire plumping to watch that at any time, really. I don't... I, don't, again, well, I, I think it's just... We watched The Raven instead, so... <laughs> <laughs> love that bill um right so on that note we shall wrap it all up so basically i think that's three no don't watch it um yeah basically and i say it's fun in its own right but it's definitely not a masterpiece but fuck it. not everything has to be right so for we our next episode uh we are going to be doing our christmas episode because it will be coming out on the possibly 19th of December uh, and then we're going to have a week off we will tell you this at the time as well but we'll be taking a week off and coming back then in January so we're going to be off between Christmas and New Year because we've all got too much shit on um, so for next episode for Christmas uh, Adam has come up with a fantastic idea as we talked about not long ago uh, we're going to cover the Day of the Beast now, um, this doesn't sound especially Christmas it's it, it, Christmas. It, yeah. Is it? Uh, it's not Krampus. No. But it's definitely not Krampus. Uh, but it is I don't think I've heard of it. 
Have you mentioned it before? I watched uh, it again a couple of months ago and mm, mentioned okay. it. But yeah, it's one of those that comes up from time to time. Usually mm. in the, it definitely isn't a Christmas film. And if you want to be in the Christmas mood, it's not the one. But <laughs> it is a great horror movie and it is set at Christmas. It, it's a great comedy horror movie. That's mm, the best okay. way to put it. You know, it's definitely... It, it, I don't know. I think I think it's if you're in the mood for a Catholic Christmas, I think it's fucking spot on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, Spanish um, uh, horror film. I, I can't remember from what year it is, but it's... 95. Quite a while. 95, fuck. Yeah. Mm. I'm old. Um, but, yeah, and... Um, yeah, it's. Well, I mean, we'll obviously get into it when we uh, when we when we do. So, but uh, yeah, it's definitely a Christmas film, and it you know there's there's Jesus and everything. So yeah, it's it's dead, <laughs> it's dead Christmas. Also, pure it's... dead Christmas is what it says on the poster. Adam Thomas. <laughs> did someone, did someone just get excited about Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's got that great thing as well. That black metal shop in it, where I'm just like, oh man, I wish that was a real place. I would, yeah. I would go all the way to Spain to go and shop there. It looked like they had an amazing black metal collection. Um, but anyway, so thanks ever so much for joining us, Manny. I apologise mm. that I made you sit through a film that was a turd. Um, but, you know, it, it they can't all be winners. No, uh, but thank you very much for having me. I've really had a lot of fun. Um, hopefully I didn't waffle on too much and um, look forward to coming back again, if you'll have me, for Malignant when you guys get around to watching it. Yes, yeah, we'll definitely have to do that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get it in the book. Perfect, excellent. Thanks again, Manny. Thanks yeah, everyone for listening. Uh, go and check out the Not for Everyone podcast. Go and check out the Oblong Babysitter. Uh, go and get yourselves ready for Christmas. So fuck your diet off. Get drunk. Eat everything you can. Adam is just about to say something. I was just going to say, as yet unexplained. Mm. As yet as unexplained. Well. Yes, I forgot. Yeah, second season of that is out or will yeah. be out. Yeah. So very good. Go and check that out. And we will see you all for our Christmas episode next time. Night. Night. Night night. Yeah.